Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brennan Sinone. I got Josh Newberg with me. And as we continue our Meet the Beat series, we have a very special guest, a close friend of mine, someone who's been kicking ass covering not just FSU, but let's see, Miami Heat, uh, writing columns. Like He's done a ton of different things over his career. It's me saying that in a very nice way that my guest here, Tom D'Angelo, the Palm Beach Post, is is old. Hi, Tom. I was just going to say, trying to say I'm old. <laughs> Is this welcome, your, Tom. Yeah, welcome, Tom. I, am, the I can I actually, if you have, if you want to compare this to the uh, Spanish flu pandemic uh, we're going through, <laughs> I can, I can help you out. Some perspective. <laughs> there you go. Did you, did you blog about that back in 1917? <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to FaceTime. That was really <laughs> so, and TikTok. TikTok back then was just kind of just starting, so mm. I, I did have no idea. Well, one of my favorite dynamics of like when Tom was regularly covering covering FSU he would come up to the uh, to the press conferences and stuff and and he would always ask me for like help with techno like technological stuff like how to read CFB stats and and he was always amazed at it and and Tom's ability to continue to adapt I think is is why he's still like finding ways to be creative and unique and and break news which is why we have him on on the podcast here but like it's also Tom your amazement with technology like I had you on the podcast, what, last year before the season started? And that was your first podcast ever, correct? I, I believe it was. I may have been on one other for the – I may have been on one other. But, I, yeah, it's, 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 I, I, if I've been on – I've been on two or three. But you forgot the, you forgot you were showing me how to turn on the computer first. <laughs> we had to get that started. <laughs> All right. So, so I'm going to get going with this. Josh is going to ask you a question, but I, I'm going to set the scene with this. All right? Because – I want to show this is shows like Tom's like a ninja. Like he just kind of hides and then pops out of nowhere and just wreaks havoc. So this is the 2013 ACC championship game against Duke. We're in Charlotte. The entire beat is up there covering the game and it's about to, you know, we're like five minutes from kickoff and all of a sudden, and I didn't know Tom super well then this is my first year on the beat. Tom's up there. All of a sudden a story breaks. Jimbo Fisher has signed a contract extension with Florida state like five minutes before kickoff. So everyone, so Josh, imagine the scene of all these writers are ready to cover this, you know, this football game, FSU wins, they're going to a national championship. And Jimbo Fisher, uh, contract extension announced. Everyone is scrambling right now, trying to figure out, like confirm it. But it's Tom D'Angelo who breaks the story. Tom does this. He writes his story, drops it. Everyone's scrambling, freaking out, trying to get the story, their own story up, right, as kickoff is happening. So we're all, like, neutralized. Like, we can't watch the first five minutes of the game. Meanwhile, Tom just gets up slowly, has a little smile on his face, and goes to the buffet line. And <laughs> therein lies the magic I of love it. Tom D'Angelo. So, Josh, I will uh, I will let you spoon and, and, and basically gush over well, Tom. Right yeah, um, I, I started covering Florida State in 2010, and – I'm not a beat writer. Uh, I'm not there every day. I'm not living in Tallahassee. So when I saw Tom and his style of, of dropping these huge breaking news bombs just randomly from, from his couch down in West Palm beach, um, I've been inspired and (laughs) I've never met Tom. I've never met you, Tom. We've never talked, but when Brendan said he was getting you on, and he was like, oh, Josh, do you want to sit in on this one? I was like, hell yeah, I want to sit on on this one. This is like this is this is who I model my game after. I'm like, I didn't even know um, when I started, you know, I've, I've never covered a team like Florida State. And my first job was was when I got hired here in 2010. So 
I was kind of nervous. Like, can I even do this job remotely? Can I do a good job? Can I dominate? Well, Tom let me know that, yeah, you can just sit here and break news from the couch. Um, so I wanted to pay a little homage to Tom and, and appreciate you coming on. Um, when, when did you develop your style of reporting? And I know you've been with the Palm Beach Post for a while. I mean, all things equal, would you rather be in Tallahassee or would you rather be down south? Well, it's a, first of all, thank you for the way too kind words. I do really appreciate that. He, he, he um, has a, he has a poster of you up on his room, Tom. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> you know, let, let me tell you one quick story about that night. Um, who was the president at that time? Was um, it Barron? Would have been Barron at that time, right? Yeah, been Barron. It did. He went to the the he went to Penn State. Yeah, yep, yeah, Austin yeah, Barron, yeah. right? So, right? So, yeah, I believe I, that. I am I confusing him with the center? Eric Barron. Austin Barron was the center. All right, we got it. Yeah. Eric Barron. That's it. <laughs> and so after the game, uh, so the game ends and everybody's out in the field, and I, I walk up to him and said, you know, you're President Barron, Tom D'Angelo, you know, I wrote a story this evening about, uh, I want to get a comment from you, wrote a story about Jimbo signing, a, having a contract extension. Actually, the contract extension was sitting on the desk. It was signed and sitting on his desk. He said, yes, I saw that. He said, I would have liked to have had a press conference before you wrote that. <laughs> so, I bet you would have. Oh, so, sorry, sorry, I wasn't on your schedule. But uh, but Stan, um, Stan, no, the sorry. athletic director at the time, Tom Stan Wilcox, got mad at me for that uh, because I went and asked him about it after the game to confirm, and uh, he kind of tiptoed around it, and we put his story, his quote in there. But I gave it to my editor to write the story while I was down on the field getting other stuff. So I sent her the quote, and FSU got mad at me initially for saying like, "Oh, she wasn't there to interview him." Like, what? How, like, you know, how did she even get this quote? And I was like, "Well, I just sent it to her." So, so yeah, FSU was in, in arms after that. So that's what you do, yeah, that cluster people. <laughs> well, the, you know, it, it, my my career has been interesting because I have rarely, if, if ever, covered a, any team in my area. The the only <laughs> the only time I've covered teams in Palm Beach County that. You know, that I would uh, get up in the morning and, and drive within the county to go to my beat was really spring training. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. When when I've covered, when spring training started, when, when I, I started covering the Marlins and, you know, when they had spring training here. And even I covered a lot of Cardinals when they had spring training here. So so basically, I can say that the only the only team that I've covered that uh, that was in my area was the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> when oh, I'm living in awesome. Palm Beach County. I mean, I you know, I've covered... Uh, every college, I was a UMB writer, and I, I drive an hour and a half down to Coral Gables back in the in the, in the mid to late '80s. A Florida State beat writer, the Miami Heat beat writer, uh, and the uh, and the Miami Marlins for ten years as kind of a backup and a and the uh, and the lead guy. So uh, you know, it, it so it came natural to me that I had to do a lot of work uh, from home, and I had mm-hmm. to just make a lot of phone calls and. Yeah, I, I tried to get up to, you know, back in the day, we could go to Tallahassee basically when we wanted to. And I would I would be up there for a week at the start of the season. I'd be up there whenever they played a big game. I'd be there the whole week. And some days I left, you know, some weeks I left on a Thursday and and uh, wherever the game was, went to it. And then on Sunday, if I was doing, you know, if it was game was in Tallahassee, I'd stay for the week. If it was, say, a Miami week or a Florida week, I spent a lot of Thanksgivings, unfortunately, in Tallahassee. Uh, way of being a week of uh, Florida game. So, so that became, it, it, I, I really didn't know it any other way. I, I mean, when I was up in Tallahassee, yeah, I'd hang out at the offices right. and try to do what I could do to talk to people if I needed to. Yeah. Make a little face time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and, and I spent a lot of time. I, I'll tell you where I spent a lot of time is the Tallahassee police department. 
uh, <laughs> in their parking lot of, uh, for at different times. But other than that, it was, it was just making calls and, and, you know, and maybe that helped me a little in, in a way because I, I was going to ask you that, Tom, Let, hold on. I got, an, yeah. I got a, a theory here. Do you think it helps people like us that aren't on the beat day after day in front of the coaches? Cause I feel like there's something about like you being down there, me and being over mm-hmm. here in Tampa that we're not there every single day asking the coaches questions. And for some reason, they trust us a little bit more. Like they, well, they reach out to us to get their message out. What do you think that is for? I, I, I think definitely thing it helped me in a way, and, but, but it's different now because back then I could just pick up the phone and call an assistant coach. And I got like, in my last few years on the beat, I think we, I think we cut the bead after we cut the bead after the, uh, the, the Atlanta, uh, the, the peach bowl loss to Houston was at 15, something like that. Um, so my last few years in the beat, even going up there, I didn't know. I, I didn't know these assistant coaches because we talked to them what? That were twice twice a year. We twice talked a to year. them. Uh, yeah, the beginning of the season, the, uh, and media, before the bowl media day week, and then at a bowl game if they had some available. That was it. So back, you know, back in the two thousands and you know early two thousands and back in the early nineties. Uh, I could pick up a phone and call an assistant coach and I'd have their, uh, you know, I call their office directly. Uh, and so I got to know them much, much better though at, at that time being down here, picking up the phone, calling them than I did, you know, recently when they're not, a, when, when you can't even, you know, you can't mm-hmm. talk to them. Uh, so you got this. So yeah, so they, there's just something about, I, they, they trusted you when them and they saw you and you went up and you did the FaceTime. Uh, you know, the phone calls are just you and him. It's not in some kind of a contentious media scrum sometimes. And it's just, you know, and, and everybody's grouped and, and everybody's question is grouped and, and you just got your own time with them. I think definitely there was something to that, that it, it that it did help and it did help them kind of develop a, a, a trust with me. There's, there's breaking news. Like when you go out and you break a story, and then there's news that kind of falls in your lap when like a Jimbo Fisher calls you and says, Hey, you know, I got this. And I know that's happened to you a couple of times. Um, it didn't happen with me under Jimbo. I didn't have a relationship with Fisher himself. Um, just the assistants. I mean, I, I still broke my fair share of news during that time, but I was only talking to the assistants. How did you and Jimbo become so tight? Do you remember the moment or, or the conversation yeah, when this, it happened? This is a really strange, this is a really strange thing. It was, um, I got a call once and Jimbo was still in a, uh, Bobby was still the head coach. I got a call from ESPN or somebody saying that they were going to open a, um, uh, they were going to start a bureau. They were going to start a, you know, a Florida state site. And, uh, they were, you know, they were interested and they got my name and they wanted to talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. So I talked to them and I said, you know, well, you know, why, how did you get my name? Why did, why did you call me? They said I was the first person they called. They said, uh, Jimbo Fisher recommended you. He said that, um, you know, he just said a lot of nice things about me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, at that point I had never even knew Jimbo Fisher knew who I was. I know I talked to, him, I knew he obviously knew who I was, but I had no idea. And so 
Um, so I, you know, I talked to them and then it actually, it was a job that I didn't take it. And it was a job that kind of went away before it came back. So it was actually a good, a good move. I didn't, but then I went up to Jimbo and I said, Hey, man, you know, thanks so much. I, you know, I didn't even know, you know, and then he, again, he started saying, you know, I, I trust you and, you know, I like your style and I think you're fair and blah, blah, blah. So you knew. So that kind of started it. Yeah. He was, mm-hmm. he, was he was still the, um, he was still the offensive coordinator at the time. Um, and then as we came coach at, it, it kind of it developed and I talked to him all and then it really, and then it, we got to the point where, you know, I, I these two, in fact, two of my favorite things I've done and I've been in this, I've been at the post for 39 years in September. And two of the favorite things I've done was going with him, uh, uh, going to his hometown and at a, to his house and spending an entire day and uh, with him driving around his hometown. Uh, and then the next year, Going with him and uh, and Candy, uh, it was after they had been divorced. Uh, mm. To with Ethan to Ethan to Minnesota, and uh, spending the entire day going through, walking through the children's center there with uh, for all the tests Ethan had to take for Franco wow. anemia, and just doing a, a huge story on just uh, that that day and what it's like for them and what Ethan has to go through and you know kind of talking to the people up there. It was. It was really the most access I've ever been given by mm-hmm. anybody to anything so personal. Right. So with that access, um, that, that, does that come with any arrangements or I guess what I'm saying is towards the end of Jimbo Fisher era, when it yeah. was you know, obvious you had to be critical of the job that he was doing, did well, you I ever cover it? You okay. know, and that, and, it, and it, it never came with any specific arrangements and, um, um, but but he, he you know he understood there were times where uh, you could be critical. there were times where I was critical I was kind of critical I remember asking him after Everett Everett Golson uh, at the bowl game where he didn't remember he didn't uh, he left the team before the even bowl game he had lost yeah. the starting job later in the season that year and you know I remember asking him that you know you know this wasn't a great move do you regret it and so I you know you had to be but but. Let's face it. At that time, now I when I left the beat, I left the beat right after that. In fact, right after that period, at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, there's still there's nothing critical really of the program um, right. going on. You know, from Jimbo's point of view, there was all the Jameis stuff and all that. We understood that, but other than that, um, and that had nothing to do with Jimbo. And, no, and I was so, I was referring more to like 2017. And yeah, then, and I was not, and I wasn't covering that time. In mm-hmm. fact, we had backed off. It was if, if we were. How do you, you know, think it we would have gone if you were? I, right. I, you I mean, know, that's a great question because I at that as it was going on, I was wondering what would, um, how how I would have relationship handled changed. it. I would have had to handle it like a journalist and a professional, and and um, uh, you know, I but I but you know, to this day, I'm I haven't, I, you know, I don't know the background of everything that went on because I've never spoken mm-hmm. to him about that, and so I I don't know what I would have been told. I don't know, uh, I don't know if if. Uh, how open he would have been. Uh, I, I don't believe he would have been with me at that point. Um, you know, this was, there was a lot of stuff floating around. So I, I think I probably would have been in the same boat at that point as everybody else trying to cover that story. Uh, so, so maybe uh, Tom, but sure. it, but have you considered like you had a, I, sorry to interrupt Tom, but like I consider this, like you had a line to Jimbo that a lot of us didn't cause he trusted mm-hmm. you so much. You mentioned the two, uh, trips that you did with him and and that's access that no one's had with Jimbo frankly so so I wonder you know at the very end Jimbo was uh, to be honest paranoid and not trusting of anyone in the media uh, locally 
I, I wonder if you would have been a lifeline of sorts for him to get his yeah. message out with someone that he trusted. Because, I mean, he was just so untrusting. He thought everyone was going to twist his words, and you didn't have that dynamic right. with him. So I, I right. wonder how if things would have been a little different in terms of him getting his his side of the story out there, which he never did. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is possible, Brendan. I I do remember a couple of times texting him, and I got a very vague, a very just short text back. Interesting. Um, during during, I, I didn't I, I didn't text him asking for anything. I didn't say, hey, what's going on? I didn't say, are you leaving? You know, mm-hmm. I, I but just general text, and it was like, you know, thanks, buddy, or something, whatever I said. I don't even remember exactly. Um, but but um, and and I think one of them was right before. It was like a day or two before we actually came down. Um, so and nothing was said. So I, I don't know. It's a good, it's, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just not sure though, with everything that was, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't up there, so I don't know the level of distrust that was going on. I ended, I, I figured there was, and I, I know he was being, and I saw some of the clips and I saw some of the interviews and I heard some of the stuff and it, uh, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't great. So, yeah. uh, so perhaps that could have happened. We'd never know. Uh, rewinding a little bit, Tom, you mentioned the two stories going to Minnesota, which was actually really, really cool. And, uh, I know difficult to, to endure and see that too, but, but it was a cool for him to trust you like that. But the first one going up to his hometown in West Virginia, how did, how did that come about? Because that came, I remember we talked about it, that you were doing it and there's something that was, I had to kind of keep quiet and, uh, so cool though. Like when it comes out and you see like the photos you guys have with him, the access that you had. Uh, incredible. Yeah. No one's had it since before or since then. How did that come about? Like, did you pitch it to him? Did he pitch it to you? How, how did that all happen? I remember it, the first time it was talked about, I remember when I was, uh, whenever it come to Palm Beach or Broward during those May, um, the, uh, the booster, booster tour, the yeah. booster tour. Um, and this one was in Broward and, um, and we would we were just talking and I said, Hey, I said, what's your hometown like? And, you know, I don't know why we got to that point. Someone was talking about, and, um, and he said, uh, why don't you come up and, 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 you know, we'll go around for a day. He kind of mentioned it first and I was trying to get there and he kind of mentioned it. And, uh, I said, yeah, I said, we could talk about that. And then, you know, kind of, then I made sure a few weeks later, are you serious? You want to go? He, goes, he said, yeah. I said, well, let's try to get, when are you going to be there? And we had, you know, and then it took all kinds of back and forth phone calls about when he'd be there, what, even when he's there, what day he's available. And, you know, cause we had to get a flight and all that. And, you know, you sure that's a day cause we're getting a flight, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, cause the photographer went with me too. And we both flew up and yeah, flew to Pittsburgh and drove down to Clarksburg. So, um, uh, and that, that was really, that was really it. And then I remember him saying, in, in fact, that, and I knew he was sure because, uh, I remember him saying to someone at one of these boosters things, Hey, yeah, Tom's coming up to my hometown, <laughs> you know? And I said, okay, uh, you know, I guess we're doing this. Um, <laughs> And, and so, yeah, it was great. One of my, my favorite, uh, so we got, you know, he came out of the hotel and, uh, we, and met us just out of town and, uh, and, uh, we drove, followed him, but, but we had a car and I got in his car and a photographer followed us to his house, a long winding road to this house, uh, the farm type of farm setting as you would expect there. And, um, but I remember one of my favorite things is, so at the end we go to this road and, and actually everybody used this picture. Now, a lot of people use this picture and some people I remember afterwards use it as a, as they're up. Okay, you gotta help me, Brenda. Is that it? Avatar, uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yes, yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> so um, there was this road. He goes, "Yeah, we'll show. You, I'll show you Fisher Road or something." I said, "What is that?" No, it's a, it's a road. My grandfather. It's it's his road, and they named it Fisher Road. We own. He owned everything here. So 
we went in the road and it was really nothing there now. Back then he said, you know, this is where our house was and this is where this and that. And, and uh, so the photographer says, so he's standing there. It's a, and it's a cool dirt road, country road, trees all around and everything. And my, the photographer says, put your hands up like this is mine. So he stands there in the middle of the road hands up in the air like looking up in the air with his hands spread open and take they take the pictures and it was kind of, i think it was a lead shot to our story because it's such a great picture and uh like i said and i, I see that's that picture popping up everywhere because it was on our website so people just it's using it so um but he was he was great going through everything little league field where he played little league baseball and, and high school and uh up to one of the best part one of the real coolest things we went after that we went actually up to the up to a uh, coal mill, a coal mine uh, that was, uh, they were all shut down at the time, obviously, but it wasn't the one where his dad was involved in the accident, but it was similar. So he wanted to just take us up and, um, and, and showing us kind of, this is the, the whole lines, the railroad, the, the ties were there. Everything was there. It was just shut down. And that's where he kind of talked a lot about his dad. And, um, but I will remember too him going like driving these country roads like on two wheels as he was taking turns. It was so funny. And like I'm like looking back, my photographer, you were able to keep up. You know, it's like it was uh, it was unbelievable. Really. <laughs> he was driving through these roads he grew, grew up on. But Tom, was, do you yeah, think, that was a, that was a pretty cool trip. Tom, do you think the coverage at the end of the Fisher era was fair? I mean, a lot of people um, salty the way he left. And you had Tom the unique viewpoint of you've covered Fisher before, but you weren't doing it directly at that time because your role changed. So you're looking at it yeah. from kind of this overview, this helicopter view. So yeah, I think that's a good question, Josh. Yeah. I, I do. I, 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 I think I, I never looked at stuff and said, man, this should, this is unfair. This, you know, why, why is this up there? Why was this written? Or, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought it was now. Um, I, and I've talked to Brendan about this many times. I mean, the fact that uh, the next era was all, you know, blamed on Jimbo is, right. uh, is, is kind of is kind of silly. Look, I I, I know as well as anybody, and I've written uh, when I've written stories about the, the Willie Taggart era that it wasn't it wasn't in great shape. I mean, you know, any coach that I shouldn't say any coach, but that that's just what happened when he left. The, what the program was not in great shape, but um, but he still, you know, he, he took over a program that was seven and six three years in a row. Or two out of three out of four years was seven and six, and and it did you know the next year his first year they won ten games. I know it was a little different circumstance, but that was not in great shape either. Uh, so right, and know, there was also you, what you, about you the moment when he changed things? What about the moment when Taggart and um, uh, the interim AD I can't remember his name right now came Coburn. out and said in Coburn and basically had that propaganda ca- campaign after year one of yeah. laying out all the. The faults of Jim. Yeah, Lee. I think it was. Was it a Bleacher Report story or something? That. Yeah, I think it was Bleacher Report. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just it was the. Was it Matt Hayes? Was I think I can't remember. I don't want to say. I think, that yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean that was the height. That was when he just said, I, and that that one didn't go well. That wasn't just me. There were there were other columnists around the state who said, "Well, you know, give me a break. You know, take some responsibility." And um, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't the greatest circumstance to walk into, but, but no. man, it, it just, it kept it, you, you know, if you, <clears throat> other, other people have walked into worse situations and turned things around and this thing kept going, it, it kept going. And, and then for all the stories you hear, it's just kind of bottomed out. But, um, uh, that, that was the, that was the only thing, you know, with, with the program was, uh, this certainly was nowhere where it was in 14, 15, 
mm-hmm. when I left, when I, the last few years I was covering the beat. Um, uh, so there, there was work to do. It just didn't get done. So how do you feel now you're covering Willie Taggart down in Boca at FAU? <laughs> I have um, done a few. Yes, I've been there a few times. What are your thoughts on, on Taggart as an owl? Well, first of all, I think it, it's, Look, the guy—he's not a dummy. I mean, he can—he can coach. He'll be—I mean, he can coach. He—he he has done a good job in places. He's been over—he's been in over his head a couple of times, but he's also mm-hmm. been been okay. Maybe at this level, we'll see. Um, because this level is not hard. You get the kids from this area. It should not be hard to sustain. Look, when Kiffin. The first, the, the three years prior to him his arrival, he they won nine games total, and his two out of his three years he wins conference USA championship. He, he turns it around immediately because it's because of the level of the program. You you know you not you don't have to get the best kids in the country. You you get the right kids in. You get the right coaches. At that level, you can turn things or you you can you can have success. And he left them. You know he he left them a program in good shape. If he wants, he's not going to be able to make any excuses that this program was not left. And, uh, the, you know, it's a previous administration, the previous coach's fault that things don't go well because the things have, things went very well. Things last, went well two right. out of the last three middle year where they, they had a little downturn, but you know, they, they still won six games, I think. Um, so, so it's, it, it, and there's, and there's a, and there's a good, there's a good group of guys still, you know, that are coming back. So, uh, so, this is a. This will be an important. This will be important for his to kind of rehabilitate his. Right. There's kind of a lot of pressure. There's kind of a lot of pressure because if they win three games again, then then it's clearly well. Then right. Then you start looking at the coach. He's going to be right. He's not going to be a head coach. If you take a step back and you uh, yeah. If you take a step back and you look at his career, you know you you go backwards. And yeah. outside of that outlier of 10 wins at USF, I know they got the 11th with the interim right. coach in the bowl game because Taggart was already gone. But you got to wonder if, if you know, because this, like you said, Lane Kiffin made this, pro- built this program up and it's built to win right now. They lose a couple guys, but like you said, the, the roster's still there. And mm-hmm. man, I, I thought Taggart might sit out a year. And, and when he took the FAU job, that's the first thing I thought was like, woof. He's got to go there and win. Yes, and and he probably looked at it because I, he wasn't going to take another. He wasn't going to take a, uh, a, a something where he had to rebuild a rebuilding mm-hmm. project because because if he came in and you know and next year he won two or three games, no matter where he went, I guess oh yeah, see he's still king. He knows he had to take something where. He, so I think he took this program thinking that hey, I can I can continue this. Um, I think, you know, again, I never covered Willie Taggart because I didn't cover him, but he can recruit, right? Mm-hmm. He has yeah. been a decent recruiter. Right. You know, I mean, he's so, shown an ability to connect with kids, definitely. Yes. So that's all it, it at, at this, at this level program, you get those kids in, um, you can, you don't have to convince the best kids in the country to come there. You just convince, uh, it, it, I think it's easier it'll be easier to recruit the kids he needs to win there than, than he needs to win at the level at the, uh, the high FBS level at the Florida state level. So, uh, and that he's probably looking at that and he's thinking, you know, look, I get this, I get this, uh, this tri-county area where I can get kids and, you know, pluck a few from, 
outside if I need to, and uh, we can we can win because that's all it takes at this level to do that. And they, and they showed that the last three years. So uh, that I, he had to be thinking that that um, this is what I have to do. I have to take a program that I know is in deep good shape that I, where I feel that I can um, I can you know keep it going and win some games to to kind of get the uh, get, get it going in the right direction again as far as his career is concerned. Tom, have you ever have you ever uh, been challenged to a fight by somebody that you've covered? <laughs> um, I had one time <laughs> Clarence Weatherspoon came flying out of the bathroom <laughs> and was screaming, Who, "Who's Tom D'Angelo?" <laughs> and I had written a story. We're in the heat locker room. I had written a story that actually was very complimentary of him. It was, I talked to his family. He grew up in Mississippi and, and they talked about how it was, it was rough times. And, and he had like seven, seven siblings or something. And mm -hmm. I talked to a couple of the siblings and they, you know, said that we knew that uh, he was special and, and we protected him. So we didn't make sure he went out in the fields and he wasn't working the crops all the time. And we, we allowed, he, he's the one that we said, no, you go practice basketball. You do what you do. And he had told me before he didn't, you know, he said, I said, you know, I don't call someone in your family. No, 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 I don't want, I don't, I'd rather you not. And I got the numbers and I still, when I just called and the brother, they were great. And it was a very complimentary story on the guy. And he came through and, out, and Dan Marley stepped between him and me. <laughs> and I, I was pretty good. I was pretty good friends with Dan Marley. And he like, you know, he stepped between him and later on Dan Marley said, he would have killed you. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't what, I didn't know what was going on because and, and here's a funny story about that. If it was the time, it was the old Miami Arena, and Pat Riley's office was, and he could hear from his office, he could hear what was going on in the in the locker room. It was from that point on, Pat Riley banned any newspapers in the locker room. <laughs> well, Clarence Weatherspoon went six six two forty, and was also <laughs> known as Baby Barkley. So I think Dan Marley was right. I think he would have tried to kill you. I don't know if he would have actually killed you, but he probably would have thrown you through a wall. Attempted to. Yeah, <laughs> that was the closest anyone ever like uh, anyone ever like threatened me. So I mean, it, it, it was uh, Miguel Cabrera. We had an All Star game, and uh, Miguel Cabrera. No, yeah, he just he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't talk to anyone until I left. That's what it was. It was after the All Star game in, in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, in the All Star game, you can get out and talk to your guys that cover that you cover when they get out of the game. So it was like the fourth or fifth inning or something. So we were able to come down and. He pulled over the PI guy, and the PI guy came up to us and said, "You know, he's not going to talk to any. He's not going to talk to you guys unless Tom's not here." <laughs> I said, "That's fine. I'll leave." And they just, you know, what did you write about? What did you write about? It was, it was, he was uh, just his attitude, and uh, he um, it, people just he his attitude was not great then. He just was he was lazy, and he was getting a, he was taking a, a lot of heat for it. And I spoke to. Uh, Oh, who's the a Spanish announcer, Rojas. Oh, what the heck's his first name? can't remember. He's passed away since. Uh, but I, I spoke to him, and um, uh, he was really, really open. And he was uh, he was close. He's, he was he was uh, he was Hispanic, and he was close to Miguel. And he, you know, he kind of was took him under his wing at the start. He was very, at least, was very close to him. And he, and he was honest with me. He said, "Look, this, you know, this guy has." so much talent he's got to change his attitude he's got to work he would he would kind of followed them um the Hanley Ramirez you know they were both kind of you know they just they didn't do anything extra they 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 loafed a lot they they didn't hustle a lot so um 
so I wrote the story during the off, you know, before the All Star game because he was he was an All Star. He was that good. He was an All Star. I think he started the game, and uh, it came out like that Monday. The game's Tuesday, and you know that he uh, he saw it and he um, <laughs> he wouldn't he didn't he never he didn't didn't threaten me though, but he just wouldn't talk until I left the until I left the scrum. So so I walked away. Not as dramatic as, as Clarence Weatherspoon coming out. No, you, no. I, tried, I was trying to think if he actually came to said that thing to me face to face, but he, but he didn't. He just told them, "Get him out of here." You know, so. if, if you do this job long enough and you do it the right way, you're going to make some people upset. That's kind of oh, the yeah. nature of the. Yeah. The, do, do you know? I'll tell you a story. The only person in 39 years that ever accused me of uh, misquoting him was Mickey Andrews. Really? How did <laughs> yeah. that come about? And it was nothing serious. I, I don't even remember when it was over, but I remember he called me and he said, hey, I didn't say that. I, I cannot tell you to this day what the story was about. Mm-hmm. And I and I had it in my notes and it wasn't anything that even was, and it was kind of one of those things where I said, what's really, you know, it, it, was, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't inflammatory. It didn't, it wasn't a controversial story. I remember that part of it. I don't remember what it was about though. And, um, and he called me up and to tell me that that I misquoted him. And I said, like, what? <laughs> like, it went over. And he sent me the quote, and, this, and I didn't say that. And I looked at my notes, and I had that down. So that, that's the only time anyone has said to me, you misquoted me. That's cool that he, that he felt too. comfortable to call a, you to say that. That's, that's yeah, interesting. He, he's, such a, he's an awesome guy, and he was great. To, you know, he, he was really really, really good with us, as you guys know, because you guys have been around him a, long t- a lot too. So uh, so it's kind of it's kind of weird. You know, you expect that from someone who's not that great a guy, you know, somebody who just never had a relationship. I had a relationship with him. He knows me. I knew him very well. And and uh, But that's probably why he was able to felt that. And, and it wasn't like he was really ticked off about it. Just called me to tell me. Okay. <laughs> I just, you know, <laughs> sorry about that. This is what I have. But then we moved on. <laughs> I've got another question for you on your your tales from from covering Florida State, and if you don't want to talk about it, we can uh, I can edit it. This is my way of apologizing, Josh, ahead of time. But you, you wrote a story that helped like turn the tide when when FSU was being sued uh, for the Seminoles for the usage of Seminoles, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you wrote a story mm-hmm. unknowingly that ended up probably helping them out quite a bit. Um, it? Yes, it was. Is that right? Well, yes, it was myself and, and Charles Elmore who was retired from the Palm Beach Post. He was, uh, he, he was the, that was when we had a staff of more than three sports writers. So we could have a couple of people doing one story. And I was in Tallahassee and they were having meetings over this and the board of directors and all those people, you know, there was all kinds of uh, high powered people meeting over this. And cause it was at the point it was two, it was like Oh four, somewhere around there. So actually it was Charles who called the Oklahoma tribe of the, the Seminole Indian tribes. Cause no one had talked to them. Everybody had talked to there's two, I believe there's just two in the country, right? There's the, the Seminoles down in South Florida and in Oklahoma. And everybody had gotten, you know, the Seminoles in South Florida. And it, it wasn't like they were mad at them, but no one really, no one had talked to the Seminole tribe in Oklahoma. So, so um, the Seminole tribe, in Oklahoma, I guess in Florida, wasn't that this strong. But they told him that, hey, we love them using our nickname. We watch every week. We, you know, it's a source of pride for us. We tell every, you know, we, they just went on and just, they had no problems. It was, uh, it was a great thing for them and it was a source of pride. So it was on the front page of the paper because it was really close to the NCAA telling them, you know, because a lot of teams at that time, South Dakota, St. John's, a lot of them had changed their nicknames. Um, so we wrote it in, um, uh, T.K. Weatherall was a president, and um, 
It was a double byline story. Charles actually did the call that did it. I did, then we kind of collaborated on the story. Okay. And uh, he basically said to me that it, that story came when they met with the NCAA. They took that with them and they, and they said to him, you know, because no one had, had talked to them. He said, this is what the Seminole tribe really thinks about this. This is they don't believe it's offensive. And they and they told him what they said. And uh, I remember TK once said, and although, again, it was Charles who made the call, but he used my name because he knew me. He said, uh, he said, uh, we pay all these lawyers millions of dollars to, to help us out. And it takes Tom D'Angelo to make you one full call. <laughs> and, that, and that's what saved us. <laughs> so uh, so he, said, he, he believed that it was the turning point with the NCAA. Just go with it. <laughs> so. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It, it's, it's uh, it was uh, it was a it was a really weird time because it was a lot of uh, there were. I remember going to a lot of meetings and talking to a lot of people you don't normally talk to covering the football team about this whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, about the whole situation. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was very at the time it was a big deal. Like I said, a lot of these schools wound up changing their names. Okay, Tom. So last last question I have for you, then we'll let you run because we are going over the time limit that I promised you par for the course uh with your current job now you're basically like you write all sorts of stuff in the palm beach community and and that led you recently and i mean guys check out some of the stuff tom has done like on on the high school shooting a couple years ago and like he has such strong roots in the community and the people that he talks to uh, it's what journalism in my mind like should be so uh but but a little less significant than that story but still a good one that you wrote recently fsu related was james blackman Mm-hmm. and uh, him him basically throwing the ball around and, and staying sharp yeah. or trying to because he's down there by you. Uh, what did you take away from from that story that you could share with with our FSU fans that are listeners? Well, it was cool. I mean, I've never, you know, even though James played in our county, grew up in Middle Glade and the South Bay, played at Glade Central, and uh, he, he arrived at Florida State just as I, I think the year after I stopped, the year after we stopped covering them. So mm-hmm. and I wasn't in high school, so I never really – Really, I never met him. Met him. I've never ever talked to him. I was on a couple of ACC media days, I think, but I but I never talked to him. So, um, um, I was pretty. I was I was very impressed. First, I was very impressed about how you know we had a nice conversation, and um, he really seemed. Uh, he 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 just seems right now really serious about this. I I think maybe, and I'm I'm not wrong about this, right? I think this is the first year he comes in where. Really, it's his job to lose, right? There's no real competition right now. With him, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. the Alex Hornibrook edition last year was weird. Like we didn't yeah. know, if he, but but yeah, this is this. Is, I mean, he's has It'd to be get tough for more, him to give it up. I think right. And yeah, and I think that's probably power. That's probably that, that has certainly. I, I, I can see he's very confident about that. So, uh, if that means again, I don't have background. I don't know if he. I don't know what is how hard he worked his other off seasons. But if if that's something that has. Um, that has like kind of spurred him on. It, that's obviously that's a good thing, but he was, um, he, he appears to be out there working. I was out there one day, went out to the glades. In fact, the only day I've left anywhere for my, since it started that I've left the house for my job. Um, and, um, saw him working on the field. And now these are workouts that he does every day with his godfather and with other people. And they get in a bunch of, they get in different receivers. As, as you guys know, there are a lot of great athletes out in that area. So he has no problem finding, Finding former teammates or kids who also played at Fahokee High School that can come out and catch the ball, so he's he's getting that part of it where he's getting real live receivers being able to help him out, um, and he he just seems genuine about, you know, this is my time, this is this is this is this is my job, and 
And um, I, I, I believe, you know, again, can only take him for his word, but he's he's uh, working hard on the online stuff that everybody has to do to to make sure that's going to be the going to be an interesting part when everything comes back. When everybody comes mm-hmm. back, is these kids are the eligibility, and we'll know who worked and who didn't work. Yeah. Um, so I I I think um, it, it appears to me he's doing all the right right things, and um, without having any background with him and, 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 you know, having, having observed him beforehand, at least what I saw now, I was pretty impressed with. All right, Tom, before I let you go, this podcast usually serves as a way for, uh, for people to make fun of me, especially Josh. Do you want to tell him how great I am at my job? <laughs> your, your job now? Your oh, job that's all the time. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. We're going to wrap this thing up. We appreciate <laughs> Sorry, Brent. Uh, I remember when I remember I remember I remember guiding Brendan through this very difficult career decision he had. Yeah. Oh, to 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 join to join Knowles twenty four seven was because Tom was a newspaper person and that's how I grew up was idolizing like the Orlando Sentinel and they like for a long time the idea of of going to a website was considered almost like a bad thing right Tom like that's our industry. No, you made the right you made the right decision. The only I remember though too when I started when I started. uh, recovering, covering the heat again. I've like, had two, everything I've covered, I've covered them like in two stints, you know, but I had my second as a beat writer with the heat, but after I left Florida, after we cut the Florida state beat, uh, thinking that cause, cause, uh, Josh Robbins had, had, I think gone to the athletic or something. So that beat was open and thinking that, man, now see if you, that was the only time I thought if you had stayed, we could have been covering the NBA together. Cause you probably, you might've had a, you probably had a great chance of covering the Orlando magic and your, your, your beat. You grew up, you yeah. know, dream beat as you grew up. That would have been, that would have been cool. I remember that at that period. But then, you know, I, I, I may, I may have had a, I may have had a chance to do that and decided I was going to stick up here with uh, doing this podcast with Newberg. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we could have been in L.A. I remember we could have. In fact, it was Josh Robbins I hung out with in L.A. during the All Star Weekend uh, a couple of years ago, and I was thinking that could have. Not that you know, Josh is a great friend. In fact, funny Josh covered Florida State for a long time. Yeah, Josh. Josh did it at the a long time ago. Long time. Yes, ago. Yes, and we went. We we our beats coincided then too. But um, but that was that was the only time I thought, man, you know, we could have uh, we could have been back on a beat together. But uh, now I, I think you made the right move because probably papers aren't the best investment right now. Newspapers. You know, no, I'm not, no, I'm they're, not they're sure. I can't tell you. Bit, but if you had to put your money in some kind of stock or something. I probably wouldn't be newspapers. I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you in trouble, Tom. So to start off with, with you asking you to say nice things about me, and it ends with you almost getting yourself uh, put your foot <laughs> in your mouth. So let's let's end the podcast now. I think, and still no one said anything nice about me. Tom, thanks for joining us on the bench. This was fun. I uh, I got I enjoyed you and Josh getting to interact and and kind of bridging uh, yeah. an idol of his. Yeah, this is fun. So thanks for joining us, Tom. You stay safe, buddy. All right. Anytime, guys, and um, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see you down here in uh, when is that game in November? We come down and play Miami somewhere yeah, on we'll, that. We'll yes, yeah, at some point in the football season, hopefully, we have a football season and we can uh, catch up. I hope, I hope so too. All right, dude, take care. All right. Okay, guys, thanks. Thanks, Tom. See you. Great, Tom D'Angelo, everybody. He's a legend. He's a legend, and I, uh, I hopefully, people in our audience appreciate how Tom has adapted and evolved over his career. So, well, I yeah, think that's me. That's me. Mr. Adaption. Tom, you're supposed to hang, Tom, you're supposed to hang up. You're so bad with technology for Tom D'Angelo, for Josh Newberg. This is Brendan Snow with on the bench. We'll talk to you guys next time. Okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs>
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.